Hello and welcome back to the Lancaster School District podcast, School Buzz. I'm Rebecca Cooksey, the ho your host, and uh, we're going to talk about technology updates um, because technology has been a big part of, social, of distance learning in the last six months and it's uh, taken a lot of big changes. So before the shutdown of schools on March 13th, technology was uh, already a big part of Lancaster School District. We had been pushing teachers to get their Google certifications, and most classrooms had had a full set of classroom uh, Chromebooks. However, since we've moved to distance learning, technology has moved to the forefront of every school day, whether people wanted to use it or not. Or not um, it's, it's part of what we're doing now. So I invited Brandon Weber, who is our director of ITS, to join us today and give us an update on technology. So Brandon, give us a short bio on you. Hi, well, I'm uh, Brandon Weber. I'm the director of ITS for the Lancaster School District. Uh, I'm married. I have two kids, a little, he's uh, about 18 month old and a uh, five year old. I've been doing uh, the IT shtick for uh, a little over eight years, I, think, I believe. Um, some of my uh, big passions are information security. Uh, I love uh, all different kind of aspects of it. I'm especially interested in like the blue team side of it. Uh, and I love uh, soccer, especially international soccer. And that's a little bit about me. And you just reminded me that I don't have children at home that I have to worry about for distance learning. <laughs> kind of dodged that bullet. I have four and I just can't imagine working full time and trying to educate children online at the same time. Uh, that's got to be challenging. Yeah, and, and, and Zoomer Garden, as I call it, uh, is, uh, is especially interesting with, you know, that age group, too. You know, it's, it's especially challenging. Yeah, yeah, uh -huh. I, God bless kindergarten teachers face-to-face, -face, but I can't even imagine doing it online with, with 30 little kids. So uh, that's a whole other ballgame. <laughs> definitely, definitely. So daily live instruction is part of our everyday school. Now, uh, we decided to support WebEx as our main platform. Why did we choose WebEx over Google Meet or Zoom? So when we were initially looking at it, this was back in March, uh, that we were kind of looking over platforms. Uh, we probably evaluated about uh, seven different platforms, uh, potentially uh, throughout that time. And, uh, you know, everyone's moving to video conferencing, you know, around the, you know, work from home kind of order. And so, you know, I think we've probably been on a total of something like 15 different platforms for video conferencing. There were many I didn't even know existed. <laughs> um, but one of some of the key concerns we were kind of looking at, we, we knew that connectivity was going to be an issue uh, right out the gates. And so uh, one of the reasons why we chose WebEx is that it has uh, the lowest bottom for bandwidth requirements of the video conferencing platforms. Uh, Zoom is pretty close there too, um, but we were kind of looking, we wanted to get as low as possible with the bandwidth card because we knew it was going to be a challenge. And I think um, uh, looking at it, you know, retrospectively, we were, you know, essentially kind of like looking at what size buckets to, to bail out the water, you know, when it was a, a leak that was much worse than that we had initially kind of looked at. The, the challenges were definitely a lot uh, heavier than I think we anticipated. Um, but one of the other kind of aspects we were looking at too was 
uh, you know, the SSO integration. So for single sign-on, kind of the ease of use, uh, the technical controls also that were available. Uh, some of it was also kind of just the, the organization back end. Um, we knew with everyone jumping into distance learning, work from home, all, all this kind of remote uh, access uh, that a lot of uh, platforms would be impacted by that. And I think, you know, especially now recently, we've seen a slew of uh, platforms that, you know, you would think would be pretty stable, just have all sorts of issues, you know. So I know Zoom has been run into a lot of issues, even uh, Google, you know, and the G Suite's been having a lot of issues. Just countless platforms are kind of getting slugged by it, uh, by the massive increase in, um, in people working remotely. So we all, we're all also kind of keeping a, in a, an eye on long-term usability. So, you know, Cisco WebEx has been in, been in the game for quite a, quite a few years. So we knew that they were going to be, you know, like even if they did have to deal with a surge, they'd have, you know, there'd been various other uh, historical things where they would have to deal with surges already. So it's a kind of an issue that they had already dealt with. Uh, so that was something we were kind of also looking at. Uh, one of the things uh, we also liked, especially on the admin side, but it ended up being uh, really useful to even, we even gave school administrators access to was the uh, metrics dashboard for troubleshooting. You know, you have people say like, I can't connect, you know, in here, this way, or, you know, shape or form. And now with the, the modern support for the technology stack we have to deal with, we have to look at, you know, the local device that they're trying to connect to the, the wireless they're trying to connect to, the router they're trying to connect to, then the internet access they're connecting with, and then what the stability of the platform is in general. And so just that kind of troubleshooting metrics page that we're able to kind of see what those sessions are kind of looking like um, for all the users is really kind of helping us pretty much troubleshoot and kind of identify some points that we might be having issues with. Probably most people don't know, but our network is built on Cisco products, so they're a leader in the industry. It was just good for us to kind of connect with Cisco already and use the platform that was already kind of part of our system. You know, man, that's one of the things, you know, looking back at, at all this, you know, all these issues we're seeing kind of pop up, it's, it's really making us kind of like, man, we're glad we have the platform, or, you know, the um, infrastructure we have on the campus today. It's taken a very long time to build out what we have, it's really making us uh, <laughs> appreciate, unfortunately, uh, what we did uh, build out and create because we're seeing, you know, what the lack of that kind of thoughtful process, you know, is happening on, on a much larger scale now. Right. Millions and millions of dollars in the network, um, which was great when everybody's on campus, we can control it and keep it yeah. stable. It's the home network that uh, gives us a lot of trouble and we don't really have any control over that at all. Um, so we've added several new tech products. How do we decide on which product is best and move forward with the purchase? So typically what we do in that kind of process is we start with doing some uh, market research, looking at what it is, you know, what are some basic expectations we can have of those uh, types of products, you know, whatever it may be. And kind of in doing that, we'll reach out to vendors and so we'll, we'll kind of have vendor meetings and they'll kind of show us, you know, what they have and stuff like that. We'll go through uh, a slew of those. Uh, another thing that we will do, which um, we're very fortunate to have a lot of um, collaborative peers, is we'll, we'll uh, reach out to 
peers in other districts too and kind of say like hey you know we're exploring this type of thing have you guys you know dealt with anything like that and they can kind of give us their input you know the good and the bad on different platforms and you know gotchas so it's uh we're, we're incredibly lucky to, to have that uh, collaborative uh groups that we can work with uh here in the uh, antelope valley yeah I, I like that we have that the antelope valley group of technologists that get together and we have access to the rest of the state of california through site and boy when there's a problem with something uh you know that day um and there's lots of input from across the the state on how to fix it and uh what's going on so it's that's been a very valuable partnership for us to, to be part of because that's one step. So we talk to the other technologists. Yeah, so we, we talk with them and then what we'll do on our end is we'll develop um, a kind of uh, metrics and feature points that we think are key for our district's application. So, you know, like if feature may be really cool and it may make a lot of sense like in the um, in the business world, but it there's a good chance that it's potentially meaningless to us, you know, for our district. So we kind of create those, you know, metrics and, and feature points that we um, are looking for. And then we just evaluate uh, the some of the top contenders of the products um, that we have based on those then. I know sometimes when we, we choose a product, then we have a, a pilot team work on it. So I know with Nearpod, we had Desert View teachers kind of pilot that out and work out, see what it, we liked about it, what we didn't like about it. And, you know, sometimes it looks good from my office or it looks good from the IT department. And then you try to put it in a classroom, like, oh, no, that didn't work. Um, so we always want teacher input on how things are working and what they like. Another thing right, we, right. we just tested out was that grade transfer. And I know that um, Armagosa Creek just loved it, um, played with it for a little bit. I said, work out the kinks before we buy it for everybody. And um, so we've got to have that teacher input, too, because sometimes when you're in technology all the time working with it, things work easier for us and when you put it in a classroom with 30 kids and things going on uh there are elements that sometimes we don't consider right right and we we've been a lot on um we have a few key teachers that we will ping for being our guinea pigs and uh also use our uh educational technology coaches uh quite a lot too and just kind of working out what even you know because a lot of times you know we have a vision for how the technology works, but we, we need to know what does this look like in the classroom and how does this you know work for our teachers? How do, how do our teachers use this? So during distance learning, what have been some of the major challenges for ITS? Just give me the top 50. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, one, you know, some of the, the smaller ones, we'll start and we can progressively get larger. <laughs> than, uh, some of the smaller ones is just uh, the number of new products that we had to bring on board. Uh, luckily, being in IT, you know, we use a lot of the kind of remote support, video conferencing kind of type things. So we're pretty familiar with those. Uh, but it's the onboarding of those and bringing those, you know, into the fold that always takes um, a, a little effort. We always keep really pretty busy throughout the year, no matter what, COVID or not. That wasn't a huge uh, kind of intake is just the number of new products, but uh, uh, really the scale. Uh, that we're moving to it's you know like every single onboarding is you know there's not really a lot of time for for piloting you know piloting is a pretty much a quick hey test it out see if it works okay we're good and go so you know the the scale is we're at the we're at full school scaling pretty much on everything we're implementing right out the gates uh, so that's been pretty challenging also in trying to capture all those things the one that's you know i think everybody is dealing with and 
we're dealing with, you know, across the board is, is supporting and troubleshooting has, has really totally changed, um, with, with our whole technology stack now, we're, you know, supporting, you know, parents who have don't necessarily have the same kind of, uh, experience that we would even on campus, you know, they may even be tech savvy. They may literally be working in the tech sector, but the fact that they, you know, they don't have, have the same investment at home necessarily that, that we do uh, at our school sites, it, you know, like, so that whole troubleshooting scope has been increased uh, immensely. And that is, you know, trying to wrap our, our hands around it and then even trying to get to solutions on it. You know, that's been a, cause there's some things we can impact and we have, you know, tried to run down every possible avenue we can to to get the you know the connectivity and the distance learning you know the best we can but there's there's some points where we just cannot dip into we don't have a say in what kind of bandwidth are, is allocated and challenging and getting kind of people connected you know it sounds it's something that sounds simple and i think a lot of people in the state of california or even in across the U.S. kind of had a lot of, I think, expectations that, oh, well, you know, I can, you know, connect to the internet. I can get on Facebook or something like that. That's connectivity should not be a, uh, a big deal, you know, like, but I think it's, it's really, we're really seeing the impact of it now. And I know, especially our, our frontline techs and our, our school sites have been bearing the brunt of that. So shout out to those guys, because they've been, it has been a, a whole new world for them. Yeah, and I think that that was a, an eye-opener for us, just how limited the broadband was in this valley. From working from home or, or, you know, getting on Facebook at night or whatever, of course we could get on. But now that there are thousands and thousands of more people on the network, uh, it really has slowed it down. I know if, when I've worked from home and I get online about 8 o'clock, boy, you can see the Internet just really slow down because all those kids have come online too. So it, it makes a big difference. Yeah, that's that's something we've even found is uh, in the the sessions. Uh, literally, our our morning sessions run smoother than our afternoon sessions, and we think it's pretty much just because there's absolutely you know like everyone who's working from home has has been awake and is kind of like chugging along um, in the afternoon sessions, and so we see across the district, and uh, I've even been kind of connecting with some of the other. Uh, directors uh, across the valleys, you see the, the afternoon session across the valley is actually impacted even more just for that, that huge um, onslaught of traffic. Uh, talk about the supply chain and how it's been a little bit difficult to get some of the technology. We had the money, we were ready to buy it, and even in March when we knew that we needed things to, to come in, how long it's still taking to get some of the supplies that we've ordered. Yeah, so luckily we were we were pretty fortunate on uh, some things where we were able to get ahead of ahead of the game. Um, we were able to kind of jump ahead of a lot of other people. You got hotspots, I think, far mm -hmm. in a far larger supply and a lot faster than many many others. I think when we were talking to T-Mobile, they had originally said that we we had uh, something like a hundred thousand customers behind us in line for hotspots and that's like customers. So that's um, that's a pretty hefty number there. Uh, just kind of get an idea of the scope. And you know, with everybody shifting to this new uh, framework, um, it's it's it hasn't been at this scale before. And so you're seeing 
you know, even something as simple as getting a webcam is becoming, you know, nearly, <laughs> nearly impossible in some ways. And so you're seeing a whole lot of uh, some kind of, you know, like, hop on Amazon and you can't find anything from Logitech, but you can find a lot of the kind of uh, cheaper knockoffs, which, you know, are kind of like a coin flip, whether or not they'll be functional or decent um, at that stage. So you can kind of see, you know, like there's a across the board and, you know, Chromebooks were impacted too heavily, heavily, you know, because every district now has to move to distance learning, you know, right out the gates there. So there was just a massive influx, and you're talking many, many, many months uh, delays on orders. And so there is, yeah, the supply chain has been um, massively impacted. I was joking that I should uh, add a global supply chain manager to my resume because <laughs> there, there's been a, a lot of collaboration just required to even make some of these purchases. Yeah, getting them through and getting the bids and and moving forward and just connecting with the vendors and it's a good thing we have some great relationships with people who will kind of okay we can find 50 over here in this in this um, warehouse and 100 over here in this warehouse so we've been yeah very lucky with that yeah it's, it's it's definitely been a matter of just tapping every possible resource you know to to get what we need uh, as quickly as possible you know like and we've been I've even had, and it, it hasn't just stopped at, at hardware either. Even, you know, software alone, like platforms have seen a massive surge in intake. You know, we, we had, you know, we essentially had like cash in hand ready to, to jump on a platform. And we were literally told that they couldn't even handle new orders for a month. Um, and so, and this is literally on, on, a, on a service platform too. So that just kind of goes to show... It's, you know, everyone's been saying like, oh, you know, this is unprecedented and it, it really has been. And so it's been, it's been hard to kind of, you know, keep, uh, keep a, a, a good frame on expectations because there's just, there's just no, nobody really, I think under, would be able to understand that the scope and scale of the change that this is required. Yeah, it's been, it's been a lot. So we have talked a little bit about home internet connection as a major source of frustration. Are there any programs or plans from the state to improve internet connectivity for homes? Uh, there are, but I actually wanted to just kind of highlight uh, one of them that is actually federally kind of set up to the, um, the FCC has a lifeline program and you can check that out at lifelinesupport.org and it's got some programs set up there to help with the cost of internet connectivity. So there's kind of a few links you can go in there and check out to see what providers in your area may offer discounted uh, internet connectivity. So if you are having problems at home with your connectivity or you did not have connectivity, uh, definitely kind of take a look into that program. As far as uh, on the, the California side of it, um, Governor Newsom had a, an executive order um, to kind of key that was uh, focused on implementing stronger supports for connectivity in the um, in a lot of the kind of infrastructure that California has been establishing. Early on, the uh, state had a uh, actually the California Department of Education had a digital divide task force that was focused on trying to you know draw 
pretty much meet the uh, needs. Uh, the need, I think, even uh, Tony Thurman, the uh, state superintendent of public instruction, even identified, I think, up to a million students that potentially did not have devices or connectivity. And that is, as I think, you know, we're, we're talking, the state of California has about, I think, six million students or so, pulling this out of thin air, but... <laughs> But when you look at that, that number, it's like that's a huge ratio and that's a, it's a massive need. And, you know, kind of understanding the, that need and that ratio, you know, it's, it's not going to be fixed overnight. With uh, Governor Newsom's executive order, it also kind of directing the CDE to continue to work towards um, bridging that digital divide. So we were really excited that uh, not only was CDE working on it, but it, it was literally something that um, the governor was also kind of identifying as, as a priority too. And so hopefully, you know, another thing that the executive order carved out was uh, laying down, mandatory laying down of fiber on uh, some, some types of like infrastructure projects, you know, like for like roads and stuff like that, which is great because that's, that's something that the CDE would not be able to have the authority to kind of, do but the state definitely does and so you know hopefully we are moving towards that unfortunately we needed it uh yesterday or actually we needed it you know a year years ago but um hopefully at least now that means that we we will kind of continue down that path and you know come the next crazy thing that happens you know down the road hopefully we'll be better prepared for that yeah so i know that there was what was an order to lay down fiber with um, roadways large public housing structures and lots of government buildings. So eventually we'll get more connected, but it's gonna take a while. Uh, we've been discussing kind of with, across the state with other technologists, creating a, an LTE network, which would be kind of our own little network. A lot of work involved in that. And um, you wanna give us just a tiny background on that? Yeah, so we, we're exploring this uh, kind of right now to see if it would be, um see if it would bridge that for our students and essentially um, what had happened at the beginning of the year is that the FCC has allowed a certain band uh, for public use and that's kind of one of the big uh, takeaways for that because previously if we were to try to explore this solution we would literally have to lease it from some of the major carriers and the major carriers drop a lot of money into holding on to these kind of spectrum. I mean, you're talking about billions of dollars a year, you know, to just to hold on to the spectrum. So kind of giving them to loosen it up is, is typically not even a, an option or a possibility for a school district. But because we have this new kind of uh, layer that we can kind of, that we can leverage and the, uh, the actual pricing of the equipment is not too bad. I was actually pretty surprised at the, the cost of like the radio antennas. But essentially what we'd be looking at doing is expanding our school network and, and providing a service similar to like a T-Mobile hotspot, but it would be kind of focused around our schools. So we'd be able to kind of target our student populations and give them like an LTE connection similar to what they would have with their you know, with their cell phone or, or with a, a hotspot for our students. You know, luckily it is uh, a, a vetted technology, though it's secure and there's, you know, some good uh, parameters for managing it. 
So we're kind of uh, exploring that option right now. It would be a pretty heavy infrastructure setup, and there's, you know, it's not, again, just similar to the complete solution for bridging the digital divide. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. Um, but that is something that we're kind of uh, exploring the possibility to improve connectivity as well. I know that's that's going to be something that doesn't happen overnight. That's, you know, a couple year project. But we never know what's going to happen in education because we never thought we'd be teaching from home at all like this. You know, we have uh, Lava is a school where we offered that option and kids could choose it. But we didn't expect 15,000 kids to be on, on distance learning. Who knows what the next thing will be if there's, I, I don't even want to put it into words, <laughs> but you know, if we ever had some other major disaster, we, we would be able to go back to distance learning if we needed to. Just take out our pandemic folder because we have all our plans now in it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we know how to do it, may not use it for another hundred years, but we've got a pandemic folder now. So thank you, Brandon, for coming on, giving us that technology update. I'm going to do a community shout out to Candace Vanderheide. She works for the city of Lancaster and she's heading up their See and Be Seen program for students in the valley. Lancaster has a very high rate of traffic injuries caused by pedestrians and cyclists not following safe practices. So we want to educate our kids and keep them safe. It's a great program and they've got an art contest going on right now. She really put a lot of uh, time into developing this program. So I hope people will look at it and, um, and participate. And our theme for our next episode is campus safety. We'll have on Jenny Sampson and Dr. Larry Fries talking about what we're doing to keep everybody safe through COVID if we can eventually move back to in-person learning. So thank you, Brandon. Appreciated you coming on today. All right. Thanks for having me.